greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let us just turn our Bibles. Acts 17, verse 22. It reads in this manner, if it is found... Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Shall we bow our heads, gracious heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this evening for your grace, dear God. It is because of your grace that we are still in the manner that we are, realizing, dear God, that we live in a time where things are happening, and we can read about it in the newspapers, a very, very neurotic age, where, dear God, even the prophet says, men's hearts are failing. We can see it with the suicide rates skyrocketing. But it's because the people have got no juniper tree to go to. But us in the end time, by your grace, we have a juniper tree to go to. And the word of God in the end time is a juniper tree for a believer where we can come and relax in the spirit. Dear God, we thank you for such a grand privilege to worship you. And we commit men and women that are here to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. While you take your seats. Just a couple of minutes, we'll just be speaking on the subject, an unknown God made known by the prophet. Amen. An unknown God made known by the prophet. That was, that's what we want to speak about this evening. Uh, tomorrow I'm off to Zimbabwe. I solicit your prayers, and then I'm back next week, uh, Wednesday. Amen. So we just need God to grant us the traveling mercy until such time we return back home safely. Amen. Now, here we read where Paul came across people, and he said, Ye men of Athens, 
I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Uh, the greatest hindrance to what's being spiritual is being superstitious. Because he who thinks he's spiritual, or he who is spirit, superstitious may think he's spiritual. Hallelujah. There is just a fine line between being spiritual and being superstitious. Uh, somebody said if the cat uh, runs or crosses uh, the street in front of you, a black cat, what does it mean? It means, simply means the cat is going somewhere. That's exactly what it means. But a superstitious person, uh, how many have been delivered from superstitions in the building? Amen. Amen. It looks like some were not superstitious. There's, there's, uh, when, you go, when you get into, and every culture has got their own superstitions. Amen. Things that they say, if this happens, it means that. Amen. Say so the other time, um, uh, and some, some are quite foolish superstitious. I was in Rustenburg among the Botswanas. There they believe that if you are a, a man and you miss a loop, it means that your marriage is on a shaky ground. Amen. That's, that's their superstitions. Uh, with other people, they say, if your hand itches, it means either you're about to receive, I don't know whether it's the right hand or the left hand, it means you're about to receive money, and the other, it means you're about to receive letter. Amen. There are so many superstitions uh, that when you get into different cultures, you come across it. Within the English, they say the groom is not supposed to see the wedding dress before the wedding. You know about that. And in the message, we say make sure that the dress fits here correctly. Because why? We are not superstitious. Are we together? Uh, uh, superstitions by uh, I hate superstitions because uh, there isn't some of them are quite and I s- people can be so superstitious but fail to have faith to believe in God my, my view is if you have the capacity to believe in some of these foolish things under the blanket of superstitions you must have the capacity to believe that there is God. Uh, are we together? I think it takes more to believe in superstitions than to believe in the word of God because superstitions are not vindicated, but the weight is vindicated. Amen. I've realized that some can, be into the, can come into the message, but uh, a lot of people, it takes grace for them to overcome even their superstitions. Because they get so embedded in you over time, they become part of your system. Uh, But uh, today or tonight, the weight is here to set you free from your superstitions. 
Hallelujah. You can have the boldness to confront every situation without any superstitions hindering you. Are we together? Uh, actually, superstitions are driven by the devil. They are not driven by God. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. And go and make a list of all superstitions that you hold and take them off and declare. Ah, ah, maybe before I get to here. In some cultures, they say if you see an owl at night, it means there's going to be death in the family. So you see a night, you see an owl at night, then you spend time believing that something bad is going to happen, and based on your belief, it happens. But it doesn't confirm that the superstition is correct. It simply means how much you are a prisoner of your own beliefs. And if we can use a belief to believe against ourselves, can't we use faith to advance our well-being? Are we together? Uh, we can go on and on. Let me not make you uncomfortable with your superstitions. Amen. Now, Paul comes across these people uh, who were very superstitious. And he said, uh, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, these people had devotions. They had an altar as well. That means with their superstitions, they believed in God. And maybe while I did, uh, I feel compelled to say this. There is no such thing as ancestors. There is no such things as ancestors. If ever, if you were to ever say you saw your grandfather or your grandmother that had a message for you, just know that it is a demon that uses the voice of your grandfather, that uses the voice of your grandmother. Can we agree on that? The Bible says, have nothing to do with the dead. As soon as a person is, and don't be, be scared that it's only among certain cultures, across many cultures. Within uh, the English culture, they would have a magician not, or a medium, and they would say this person can contact somebody that has passed and they can bring the message back to you. I say those things are demonic spirits. They can take a form that is familiar to us, but it does not discount the fact that those are demonic spirits. Amen. I just had to go there. Now it says, for as I passed by and beheld, I still feel late to come again. Again, you as a believer, there are certain traditional ceremonies. As soon as you declare yourself to be a message believer, you must never attend them. I'll repeat that so that it can be on record. Certain traditional ceremonies, no matter how innocent they may look, you are not supposed to attend them. If you dare attend them, you will return back with an evil spirit. Because you don't know it can be an ancestral worship 
and you are there amongst them, and that spirit may rub off you. Believer, a believer must have a discernment where to go, who to be with, what to do, what not to do. Are we together? For I passed by and beheld your devotions, and I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Now, it is not only here, there was a time when Jesus met the Samaritan woman and she mentioned that our, and Christ said it to her, your fathers worship in the mountains and the Jews worship in Jerusalem. But there's coming a time where the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. Are we together? It does not mean that when you worship, you know what you are worshiping. Some people worship out of ignorance. And I can take it further. It does not mean as soon as you are in the message, you worship knowing what you are worshiping. Some they worship ignorantly. And how, how do you move from a realm of ignorance? The God that you worship must be personally revealed to you. Do we agree that once you experience God, somebody will never take you out of that experience? But if you hear about God, if you read about God, somebody can talk you out of, out of that experience. But the moment you experience God personally, no one can take away that experience. Amen. Folks, even the trials of life would never take away that experience. I mean, even if friends were to desert you, it would never take away that experience. I mean, if the church was not to be there, it would never take away that experience. Daniel, because he had that experience, he was able to be in Babylon for 68 years, but he never worshipped a foreign god. Why? He had a personal experience of the god that he was worshipping. Are you still with me? Now, why do I bring a connotation between the unknown God? And, and maybe before we get here, if you were to, Brother Bram says, when I went to Africa, they call God Amoya. I think Brother wanted to say Moya. And he, he says it was more like a wind. And he says that's what they believe they worship there. But God is not a wind. Hallelujah. God is not a will wind. God is a spirit. But his manifestations may differ from dispensation to dispensation. Are we together? But, but if you were to ask the adults and say, who is God? It is a very simple question that a lot of people you would think that they know who God is. And a lot of times, if you were to ask a Catholic priest, who is God? He will tell you that, listen, there is God the Father, there is God the Spirit, and there is God the Son. But we know that scripturally, there is nothing like that. Uh, we together. But to him, that is what he understands God to be. Then you go to somebody that is a believes in traditions within African cycles, he would say, 
we have God to the spirit, then we've got ancestors that we take our matters to and they take our matter to him. Again, you've got no scriptural lake. Then you can go to another Catholic. He will say, we worship Virgin Mary. Because Virgin Mary is sort of a mediator between us and God. Again, it is unscriptural. Now, how do you come to a point as a human being where you have a certainty to say, I know God? What makes you to, what are the boxes to be ticked off for you to come to a point where you say, I know God? Hallelujah. And you can never know him unless you have met him. If I make you to wait for Madiba in the street and say Madiba will pass this way, if you don't know Madiba, Madiba will pass by without you realizing he's passing by. If you don't know God, God can pass by without you realizing this is God. And let us look at it in this manner. The Greeks, they say, say, would we would like to see Jesus? They come to see Jesus. When they come to see Jesus, who do they see? They don't see a spirit. They don't see a fire. They don't see a whirlwind. What do they see? They see a man. And Brother Bram say, for them to see a man, that stumbled to them. And the Greeks were the clever people during that generation. It tells you it does not come by education. It does not come by intelligence. It doesn't come by program. It comes by revelation. Are you here this evening? Now, in Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Maybe just to say, we know that Christ was God in human flesh. And we know that John was meant to introduce the Messiah to the people. For 400 years, they had no prophet. But they knew that there were prophecies that were speaking about the coming of Messiah. And then the Messiah came. When the Messiah came, somebody had to introduce the Messiah. I want to say to you, somebody has got to introduce the Messiah to you. Hallelujah. Why? When they were there, then there was a man called John the Baptist. He came out preaching the gospel, repent or perish. His message was unusual. It rattled the system of the day. And as it rattled the system of the day, he said, I am going to introduce the Messiah. Are we together? Brother Brum say Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Paragraph 3, triple 3, he says, look. John the Baptist would never have known Jesus if it had not been of the Holy Ghost pointing him out. If it happened with John the Baptist, you would never know Jesus Christ unless the Holy Ghost points him out. Not a man, not a pastor, folks, not a church, but unless the Holy Ghost identifies him until you say, there he is. Are we together? He says, John the Baptist, the great prophet that came forth and said, there is one standing among you right now, an ordinary man standing here somewhere. That's the Lamb of God. 
Imagine if we are sitting right like this, we are all expecting the Messiah, and I say, uh, maybe the prophet like John say, the one that you are looking for, the great one that you are looking for, he is standing right in your midst, and he, right there, he says, he is the Lamb of God. You look around, you don't see, because a, a carnal mind, whenever you speak about God, they expect a ladder to drop out of heaven and for God to descend. But God, because he's got in simplicity, he bypassed their intelligence and he came in a simple manner. Look, folks, it may sound, whenever we read the Bible, it may sound like it would have been an easier thing for you to have believed in God during that time that the Bible wrote about. Let's just follow John the Baptist. He preaches the message, and you are in your old church you leave the Pharisee church, then you follow this Messiah. Wherever he goes, you follow him. But let us check this way. As you have left your church, this man says, I do not know him. I've never seen him. But God says he will identify him. And right there, as he said, no one, I do not know who he is. Right there, one day he says, now I've got an answer. Then you begin to ask and say, where is the answer? Where is he? Then he says, behold, the Lamb of God. But look, who is he pointing out? He's not pointing out at a stranger. He points out at his, his very own cousin. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. He says to his fellow cousin, behold, the Lamb of God. Be honest with me. Unless it is by revelation, you are going to have a problem with that. You are going to say, are we going to be introduced to your cousin? Have we left our churches for your cousin? But you and I, because we are spiritual, he knew the body, but he did not know that the one that was going to recite in the body will come at that very body. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Now, John the Baptist, the great prophet that came forth and said, there is one standing among you right now, an ordinary man standing here somewhere, that's the Lamb of God. John said, I bear record. I saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And it went upon him, and a voice said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell. What was it? The Holy Ghost said, I will point him out. And if the Holy Ghost pointed him out there, the Holy Ghost will point him out today. Are we together? He continues, he says, in the very same message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. That's the reason when Jesus walked out in the water, John looked over and he saw that dove coming down. He said, behold the Lamb of God. There he is. He is the one that will take away the sin of the world. Jesus walked right straight out in the water to him. Them two eyes of John met two eyes of Jesus. They were second cousins by flesh. Mary and Elizabeth were first cousins. Their eyes met one another. There was God and his prophet. Hallelujah. Are you with me? John the Baptist is senior to Jesus. He was born six months earlier than Jesus. But they grew up together. But one day at River Jordan, Brother Bram says their eyes locked. 
And when their eyes locked, he says, there was the prophet and his God. It takes a, a higher revelation for John to believe, my cousin is my God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, imagine, when they played, and I, I want to say, or maybe before I get there, let me just continue. He says, standing right there, John said, I have needed to be baptized of thee. Why come thou to me? Jesus said, suffer it to be so now, but remember, thus it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. Hallelujah. Now John, remember, he's now begun to say, behold the Lamb of God. Only two of his disciples had and understood that the ministry was coming into transition. The rest, they still continued with John. Like the people that now, they still expect Brother Brenham to resurrect from the dead. It's unscriptural. Ministry of Brother Brenham is done. He has introduced the Messiah. Every time you go to the spoken word, they will point you to the Messiah. Are we together? I hope we are together. Now let's continue here. Now, he says not just go, God making himself known. Not, we are not supposed to make converts to Christianity by a government, but by revelation. The Christ in you, as God was in Christ, as God was in Christ, now it must be Christ in you. When God, what God did in Christ, Christ does in you. Let me tell you something. You will never live the Christian life until he lives the very life in you. I will repeat that. If you attempt to live a Christian life without him being in you, at some point in time you get tired. But when he, it, it is him that lives the Christian life in you, I don't care what life throws at you. You will keep on bouncing back. And it's not your bouncing back. It's him in you bouncing back. Are you still with me, people? Now he says, isn't that beautiful? Jesus said, at that day, and Brother Branham says, which day? This day. At that day, when this revelation is made known, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you, and you in me. And he continues, he says, when the revelation is made manifest, at that day ye shall know that I and the Father are one, and I am in the Father, and the Father is me. Then when the revelation cometh forth, then it's I in you. There you are. Are you still let us dissect this scripture? At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, the Logos in the Father. Are you still with me? Fatherhood. And the father in me. What is happening? Sonship. I can't do anything until I see the father doing it. Are you still with me? Now, I in you. Brother Bram say, he was Elohim. Then he put himself into Christ. Then he further put himself into the church. Brother Branham say, when we say Paul, it doesn't mean it was a container being emptied and a container remains. He says he changed the form. That means Elohim became Logos. 
And that means today, he emoved himself. The logos became the church. Are you still with me? That, that means it's no longer you living. It's him living in you. That means for God to make himself known, he's got to take your flesh and embody himself in your flesh. Are you still with me? Now, and, and a lot of times, the scripture will say, at that day, at that day. But there's got to come a time when somebody say, that day is this day. When he was there, he said, at that day. And it speaks about a dispensation, fatherhood, another dispensation, sonship, another dispensation, the Holy Ghost. But today, somebody must say, the day that was spoken is this day. And how do you know that it is this day? Only the people that can have their eye in you ministry will know that the day that was spoken is this day. Are you still with me? And when it is him in you, how do you identify him? He said Christ is identified by his characteristics. How, how, does he, how do you know that it is Christ? We watch your life. Hallelujah. We don't watch your profession. We watch your possession. It's easy to profess, but it's difficult to possess. And we are looking for the people that possess. What do they possess? They possess the deity. Hallelujah. They've become the lips of God. They've become the legs of God. They've become the hands of God. Their life pulsate the life of God wherever they go is God in them. And Brother Bram say it is this day. Are you still with me? Now, for instance, the scripture says grieve not the Holy Spirit with which you are sealed until the day of redemption. When is the day of redemption? In the day, in the, it says as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. When is the day when the Son of Man must be revealed? Hallelujah. And uh, if you don't know the distance, if you don't know the time, you will not have the right expectation of the time. If you don't know where we are, maybe you might expect Moses to come and call you out of Egypt. But we are not in Egypt. Right now, we are at the end time. The world is in Sodom. That means somewhere at a certain corner, a revelation of this son of man is taking place. And who is that son of man? And how does he reveal himself? The first time he came, a prophet said, Behold the Lamb of God. One man had the secret, and one man knew how to identify him, and it was John the Baptist. And in the end time, I don't care where you go. I don't care who you listen to. Only one man in the end time had the authority to say, Behold the Lamb of God. Amen. Folks, other people can say, Behold the Lamb of God. But we want to watch what are the results of their declaration. Will that behold the Lamb of God bring the life of God in the people? Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Now, when he came the first time, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And right there, two followed him. In the end time, it was not two bodies on the scene. In the end time, it was one body on the scene. To introduce another one. So that means a ministry of a son of man 
had to unveil the ministry of this son of man within a son of man. I don't know whether we're together here. When John said, behold the Lamb of God, it was John pointing at Jesus. But in the end time, behold the Lamb of God. It is not pointing at another body. This time around he said, I'm taking your body to introduce myself to the people. And if you don't believe it, it applies to the prophet. You will fail to see when it applies to you. Because the body of Brother Brenham is here. But God still has a body that he's got to introduce himself to the people through that body. And today, it is your body. It is your body. It is my body. Are you still with me? Now you can say, greater than all of them is here. And when they look around... The, like the Greek said, say, would we, we want to see Jesus, then they saw a man. And in the end time, we want to see Jesus, then we see his church. Why? Because Christ is making himself known in his church. What does it mean, folks? It means what he did 2,000 years ago, he can do it through the church tonight. If he healed epilepsy 2,000 years ago, tonight, the very same one that was there is now in the believers. No epileptic spirit can stand in their midst when they declare the name of Jesus Christ. Why? The same one is now in the church. Are you here, people? And that means if the demons were afraid of him, the demons must be afraid of you. Folks, the demons are not afraid of somebody that just holler. In the name of Jesus, it does not work like that. But when a demon identifies a holy life and knows that the source of this life is other than none other than God, demons begins to tremble. When you don't have the life behind the name of Jesus, you become the devil's playground. And actually you can say, in the name of Jesus, demons can laugh at your face. Like they laughed at the, their faces in the book of Acts and say, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? Because why? The same life that was in Christ was in Paul. That is why the demon was afraid of Paul. But when the demon traced the life in this one, it, life was not there. And whenever you attempt to cast a demon... Without having this spirit, you become a victim of, of, for, against the very spirit that you want to cast against. A preacher that preaches without the Holy Ghost, the very sin that he hammers, he becomes the victim of the very sin. Hallelujah. Be careful when you challenge Satan because they, you can never bluff Satan. He knows what is behind you there. Hallelujah. Now he says in this message, the bridge, then they are sealed unto their eternal destination. There is nothing can ever break that seal. You are putting your scripture down, which is Ephesians 4.30 said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of your redemption. He said, hold that word redemption until the day that the book of redemption has been revealed. And the Redeemer comes to claim his possession. And Brother Brenham says, when is the day of redemption? When was the book revealed? It was sealed throughout the seven church ages. But in the end time, the seals had to be broken. And as soon as the seals were broken, 
it unveiled the mystery. Brother Branham said it released the anointing. And that is why I don't believe every Jesus is the real Jesus. It depends which Jesus is he. Hallelujah. And that is why even gospel music folks, it doesn't mean that if it has Jesus, then Jesus is part of it. Sometimes it's the devil just come a flashing with the name of Jesus. But you must have the discernment to see beyond the lyrics. Are you still with me? And there is a song that says, our rock is not, our rock is not their rock. Our revelation is not their revelation. That's why our dressing is different. And I'm saying the right anointing of Christ was revealed by those seals. Brabham says he is those seals. Hallelujah. He said the whole thing, it was Christ. Christ revealing himself. So if somebody says, I worship Christ, you just worship the life. The only thing that can make you overcome in the end time. I had a young lady that sent me a long email. We had her some years, some years back. And she left church. She went to join the Pentecostals for many years. And in the Pentecostals, she moved up the ranks. She was already a preacher. And actually, when she sent me the email this week, she said, Pastor, I'm on, actually on my way to Namibia to address a women's conference. But he say, she said, listen, Pastor, it's amazing that I'm going to address women at their, business, at their women's conference, but I'm empty inside. And it says, the only thing that I know that has always filled up that void that is in me. It is the message of the hour. And she said, I'm going to Namibia, but when I come back, I want to come straight to church and surrender myself back to the weight. Uh, are, you, are you here? Does she not have a rank? She has a rank. Is she not a speaker? If she was to be speaking in Namibia, she's recognized in her cycle. But she realized time after time what I observe here and the results that I see here is not the results of the Holy Ghost. The only place where the results are of the Holy Ghost is under the banner of the message of the hour. Are you still with me, people? Amen. And I don't know, I would have an interview with her. I don't know what she saw that made her very despondent among the people that claim to, to be the worshippers. But I can tell you, there must be horrendous things that she must have seen. Amen. This message, folks, is like an ocean. You know that the ocean cleanses itself. This message cleanses itself. There will never be any debt on this message. Are we together? Now I'm coming to here. The only way that these people that had the superstitions that could know this unknown God, they had to be a prophet by the name of Paul that came to introduce the unknown God and made that God known to them. And in the end time, the only time you could know about the unknown, every one of us here. I mean, when I was still a young boy, a young star, at the age of 11, I remember I was good with religious education. And I was quite fascinated by the story of, the, of, of Moses and Egypt and Pharaoh. But every time I read about that, in me, in my little heart as an 11-year-old boy, I always say, had I been in Egypt, would God have allowed me to worship this God? Because this God is a genuine God. Little did I know that actually the same pillar of fire that was in Egypt had returned in the end time. 
But you see, there was a desire for worship. And all of us, wherever we were, we had the desire for worship. But at the right time, God came our way. Hallelujah. As Brother Bruno said, we were like that trapped eaglet. And we moved around in the chicken barnyard. We scratched on the surface. But something told us there must be something better somewhere. We had a different appetite. Chicken feet could not quench that appetite. But one day, out of the blue, we saw another creature in the sky. And we realized that it was not uncertain sound, but it was a certain sound. And when that noise, that sound came, we responded, how can I come up there? And the voice said, flip your wings of faith. And we flip the wings of faith, and here we are today. And it, folks, if you still have an appetite for denominationalism, you have missed something in the message. Ask those that have gone there, that have observed the life there, they will tell you things are hard. They don't know whether they are going or coming. But here, because God has made himself known, Brother Bram says, what is the new birth? Christ personally making himself known to a believer. And when he does that, no one can take away that experience from you. Are we together? No temptation can shake you out of the kingdom of God. If you, if you fall, you rise again. Why? Because in you, there is a DNA of worship. You know who you worship. Are we together? And that revelation, Satan, demons, can never take it away from you. Are we? Because it comes by revelation. God bless you richly as we stand now. What if you come to close? As we pray, dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, 
Our Lord, we are grateful and thankful tonight, O oh God, Father, that you could come, O oh God. Thank you, Father. Father God, and just remind us again, O oh Lord, Father. Father God, that once, O oh God, Father, Father, we were like blind, leading blind, O oh God. Father God, trying to to find and f- trying to navigate our way, O oh God. Mm. Father God, but then you came along, O oh God. You sent your prophet, O oh God. Father God, to come and show us, O oh God, who you are, O oh God. Father God, and we are grateful tonight, O oh God, Father, that you used him, O oh God, Father, to reveal yourself unto us, O oh God, so that we can say tonight, O oh Lord, Father, we know who our God is. We know who you are, O oh Lord, Amen. Father. Father, for, O oh Lord, we are grateful, O oh God. Heavenly Father, God, for, O oh Lord, we look back, O oh Lord, Father, and so easily, O oh God, Father, God, we were led astray, O oh God, Father. But, O oh Lord, Father, you came out, O oh Lord, in the wilderness, O oh God, mm. Father, God, and you brought us back home, O oh God. We say thank you tonight, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, tonight, O oh Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for our dear, precious pastor that stood yes. in the gap, O oh Lord. Father, we pray for safe traveling mercies for him over mm. the weekend, O oh God, as he's going to Zim, O oh God, Father. We pray, O oh God, for a, a blessed time, O oh God, Father. Yes. We pray, O oh God, Father, that you would continue, O oh God, to be faithful, O oh God. Father God, for one thing we know, O oh God, and one thing that we show of this, this evening, O oh God, is that you are a never failing God, yes. O oh Lord, and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, O oh Lord. We pray now, O oh Lord, Father, may you go with us, O oh God, throughout this, the rest of the week, O oh God. Father, and may you be with us in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Beulah land. Beulah land. And thereafter, you'll be dismissed until I see you on Wednesday next week. I'll be in church. Amen. Have a blessed time on Sunday. Uh, somebody was asking the other time somewhere and said to some people when the pastor is not at church, in some churches, when the pastor is not around, people don't go to church. Then I say, that is the sure sign of immaturity. Amen. What happens if the pastor dies? Hallelujah. You go to church whether the pastor is there or not there. God of the pastor is still there. God bless you richly till I see you next week.
Thank you, Lord Jesus.